Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Strets Takes. I am pleasured and really excited to talk to both of these guests that are incoming freshmen on the Amherst men's basketball team, Bobby Summers and Muhammad Alassa. Um, and I'm really just excited to talk to both of them and get their, you know, obviously their opinions on certain topics. Um, guys, welcome. Uh, really excited to have both of you. Thank you for having Thanks me. For have, yeah, thank you for having me. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, so I guess we'll just go right into it. And um, so the first topic is just about the Kyrie Irving situation, and I'll give you guys the floor on this one. And basically, you know, what were your thoughts on his, uh, you know, statement? Um, you know, if, if you think his statement's justified, you know, what do you think he needs to do uh, afterwards? Um, and just like that, that kind of stuff. Like, you know, what do you overall just like your impressions of it um, from reading more about it and that kind of stuff? Um, well, I personally think that it's a really good idea just because in times of climate where things are like kind of difficult, like we're going through a really tough time in America with COVID and like social injustice, racial injustice. So I think that having a sport or having like a sport that everyone loves would kind of take away from the traction we've been gaining. Personally, I think that all the protesting and the lobbying has helped a lot. Like a lot of laws have been changed. There's been reform. There's positive things that are happening. And if we bring back basketball, that kind of gives people an excuse to stand side and just like, okay, let's watch the people that feel oppressed at this time. I think the only issue is that we need more of like affirmative action. Kyrie needs to have a plan instead of saying, let's just not play. But I think it's a good start, but there has to be more structure to it. Um, I don't know his exact plan, wasn't it? He's talking about starting his own league or starting, what is it? I think that was an option, but I okay. think before it was just we're not playing. Yeah. Um, yeah he, he basically just wants to create like his own, uh, like, 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 a, like a league. And, but his big statement basically was saying that he wants to not play because of um, just it taking, you know, attention away from Black Lives Matter. I think that's more of a statement. Yeah. And then Austin Rivers came back and said um, that the best way to fight it would be to, to get that paycheck, right? Um, as like black men. So what do you guys think about that? I'm, I'm actually like, I'm going to say just a quick thing on that. Um, I think that the one thing you can use the NBA for in the, in the, in the paycheck you get from like the salary, because the problem with if you shut down the league, they're going to go to like the CBA is going to be really affected and the salary cap is going to be affected. And um, it's either like I'm for Kyrie Irving, if he has a plan completely, like I think like, you know, if he, you know, justifies a plan, like, you know, marching to Capitol Hill or donating money of his to like, you know, lower income schools to get, you know, better funding for the schools. Like I'm totally for that. But I think with Kyrie, with uh, Austin Rivers saying the paycheck, it's just like, you know, using your, the money and the platforms that these athletes have to further invest their time and their resources into making the situation better. So people are paying more attention. I guess that's why the way I looked at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that that's Austin Rivers is a good point. Cause also like Kyrie Irving's talking and he's gets paid a lot of money in NBA, a lot of money off endorsements. So if he doesn't play, the paycheck he won't receive is not going to hurt his lifestyle. So I feel like for other players that may not be superstars, maybe role players that kind of need this check, you know, I feel like that's kind of unfair to like kind of force them to not play. And I think Austin was have a point because if these black, most of the NBA is black. So if these black, even the white NBA are very supportive. So if players in the NBA get this check and maybe the, like the superstars, the highlight players choose to donate this check they make this summer, that'll make a bigger difference than just not playing at all. And I do wonder if Kyrie would be saying like the same stuff if he was a top two or three team in the league, like if, if they were like 
legit contenders because I mean they're not right now, right? Also, the NBA like banned him from coming to Orlando because he's technically on the injury reserve list. So some people like Kendrick Perkins have said in the media that this might be, and again, I'm not. This is like just like what they're saying, and like I don't really have an opinion on this one way or another, but. They're saying that Kyrie Irving might just be, like, angry at the NBA and, like, wants to divide himself. I don't really see it that way, but um, – because I, I, I think that, you know, like, in terms of some other things that Kyrie May has done in the past, like, I think this is one thing that maybe he's trying to do in the right direction. Um, it's just the issue, the issue that people, I think, are, the media are having is just, you know, what's your plan instead? It's like – because, again, there's a lot of talk, but they want to see, like, you know, action. Because, like, you know, you see, like, <laughs> programs like the NAACP – you know, doing all this stuff for social injustice. And they're like, okay, Kyrie, like, what are you going to do? What are you, like, what are you and Dwight Howard going to do? Um, but yeah, and I guess like my last question is like, do you think that will like, do you think there still will be a season from that? Or do you think it would just be like a few players decide not to go um, and the majority of the guys still go back down and they still play? Uh, I personally think that there's still going to be a season because like I said, people that aren't superstars and want spots at the league, like, they're going to be call-ups for people that won't play. You know, like Kyrie, players like Dwight Howard that think that this is the right thing because, like, there's no de- definite, like, objective definition of what the right thing to do for social justice. So if you believe that not playing is the right thing to do, I think that's fair. But if you believe that playing, getting a check and donating, I think that's fair. So, like, I think that both sides are still going to have a positive effect on the Black Lives Matter cause. But I think there has to be a season just because Adam Silver and the, and the NBA as a group had done so much to create this bubble in Orlando. They're giving them those rings that can kind of detect coronavirus, all the technology into it. So they kind of are, have like no reason not to play it this way because it's safe and it's what the people want. So I think that both stands can help Black Lives Matter at the end of the day. And I think we they got to make sure that like each side isn't kind of like at each other's necks, like understand that both sides are trying to do the best thing for social justice. It's just in a different way. So I think if like one player were to sit out and not go to Orlando, uh, I don't know how that would like affect their relationships, but um, that could be an issue. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I was thinking too, like LeBron James, for example, is a guy that we all see just, you know, platforming himself in like the best way to help black lives matter, just black communities generally. Right. Like, I mean, he's just the one athlete you think about just generally, right. Because of what he's done in the past and what he's still doing now. And him going down, I think, you know, is going to incentivize a lot of people to go down too because no one wants LeBron James having an easy cakewalk to the finals. So a lot of guys are going to sit there and say, like, you know, I'm going to go play against him because I want to beat him. But also, like Patrick Beverly said, like, I'm going down to play against him because, you know, even though Pat Bev is not a good offensive player, like defensively he wants to, you know, lock up LeBron and those guys um, and that kind of stuff. But I guess, like, this, you know, that whole detail can segue also into – the protocol the NBA has announced for COVID. Um, I don't know if you guys have read into it. Um, I just looked into it a little bit this morning, but basically they created that like 100-page safety plan of like what they're going to do down in the bubble to keep everyone safe, uh, like what testing they're going to do, how these different you know health measures are going to be impacted, and how practice and that kind of stuff is going to work. Um, I don't know if you like what you guys if you guys what you guys read, but from what you read or what you understand, what do you think of the protocol, and do you think it's uh, a, a really good thing the NBA did. Do you think the NBA did enough? Like, you know, floor is yours. Um, I'll go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I haven't read read on it too much, so I was going to say, Mo, go ahead. All right. Oh, yeah. So I've read a decent amount on it, and I think it's really interesting. I think the NBA, like we talked about this briefly before, 
uh, <clears throat> um, Shred, but Adam Silver's done an amazing job. I think that there's there's a couple issues with it because like it's like basically a really 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 centered AAU tournament as where like they can't leave, they have to stay, like they have to like check out people, like they can't do whatever they want. And these are like grown men who like have families, so I think the expectation of them like just staying in this bubble for like a couple months is kind of unrealistic. But like for the sake of safety, I think it's gonna kind of push them to do it. And like they're getting like these rings that can like detect COVID up to three days before, like some crazy thing like that. So I think the NBA in terms of protocol and plan, I think their structure is amazing. Like the hundred page, I didn't read the whole the whole plan, but like I read enough where I think I get the overarching idea. So I think they've done a lot. But the only issue is that where we see young players <clears throat> who aren't really because there's players in the NBA who aren't really like LeBron, like they're young, they haven't matured, like a bunch of rookies or maybe sophomores in the league. They may want to go out like see girls or go hang out with their boys in Orlando. So I mean, that's gonna be an issue they have to combat with because after a game, like even basketball, like even pros, like, they do like to have fun in life, too. So, I mean, them forced to be in Orlando just like that's for my time. They're going to want to do other things. So, that's going to be an issue to combat. But I think overall, in terms of safety, if they can kind of stick to the plan, there's no way that this turns into a safety hazard. I think they did a really good job. Yeah, and one thing that the, I saw that was just really interesting, too, is that, I mean, they're really strict in the protocol. So, basically, you know, when everyone gets down there, they have to quarantine for 48 hours and then – have to pass two COVID tests um, in order to play and do training camp. And basically they're only allowing, they're allowing family members eventually to come down once the playoffs start from what I read. And then during the eight game kind of season, they're basically just like only allowing 37, you know, personnel from each team to come in. So that's, you know, your uh, 17 players and then your 18 staff to come in. Um, which again, I think again, like what Adam Silver is trying to do is just keep it as safe as possible. You know, obviously it's human nature that you're going to want to do other things and, you know, hopefully the NBA, you know, will be able to manage that to an extent, but I do hope that this like, because again, Carmelo Anthony was worried about, you know, what are the safety measures going to be like when they go down there? And I think other players also had to share the same kind of concerns, but I think that, you know, this is kind of the best picture the NBA could do. Um, and I agree with you, that the, Mo, that there is some things that are definitely, you know, wishy-washy in a sense in this because, you know, you have to take the fact that, that some of these players just have a desire to do other things outside of basketball once the game's over, once practice is over. And, you know, that social interaction piece is just going to be that big underlying factor they just won't be able to have and how they handle that. Because, like, you know, some guys are just going to be, like, you know, sitting in Orlando and being, you know, I, like, I want to go – you know, I, I'm expecting to go on a road trip, you know, and that, that kind of stuff. And, like, how are we going to be able to handle this? But um, I think the one thing I actually looked at I found really interesting is how they're being really careful about the coaches coming down there over 65 because mm. they're, higher, they're at the highest risk. Like Mike Tantoni, Greg Popovich, Rick Carlisle, Terry Stotts are all above 60. Uh, I just yeah. like, found that out. And I thought, you know, Terry Stotts and Rick Carlisle were, like, in their – 50s you know but like they're, they're like they're like they're above 60 and like you know, yeah, like, I know I, Mike yeah. Antonio's almost 70 and you know great problems is obviously been in the league like a long 80. time but it's just you know that they're, they're trying to make sure at least with the with the coaches I said <coughs> they don't necessarily they're they're trying to be really careful like they're saying the coaches doesn't don't necessarily have to come down if they feel at risk um the player the coaches are still going to come down but it's just you know making sure everything everyone's safe um, and then, you know, sometimes like, at the beginning, you have to just be really cautious at first. And then once you realize that 
the surrounding area and the players are just not getting affected. Maybe you ease up a little bit in the restrictions, but that's just kind of tough in that situation. But again, that's another, you know, good check mark on Adam Silver's legacy in the sense as a commissioner, you know, he's just, he's always just doing very positive things just for the community of the NBA. Um, but that's kind of like, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts on this, but that was, you know, my thoughts, at least when I read this. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think Adam Silver, <clears throat> this is the best picture you could paint for this situation. Like, no one could have anticipated the coronavirus, like, hurting every market in the economy. So, like, the difference between basketball and football is that there's just less players to account for. Like, football, the roster is crazy, you know? So, here, this is really the best kid they could have done. And I really commend Adam Silver. He's done a really good job so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, like, the last thing, you know, we, we can obviously, you know, deviate a little bit from this a little bit, but – I talked about basically with LeBron James in a sense, you know, this is like, you know, he's older, right? He's year 17, he's 35, he's coming back. And there have been some questions I've seen, you know, a lot of people feel like this is his last chance to win a championship. Um, I'm personally on the side that I disagree with that because I think he's still really good at his stage of his career. But there are people that believe like this is his best chance because the Clippers are younger and, you know, they're coming and they're going to probably, or even the Bucks or, or Celtics are, even like, you know, younger, you know, better teams that might, you know, overthrow him. I was wondering, you know, do you guys think that this is his real last chance to win a championship or do you still think he has maybe a couple of years that he could definitely win it? Um, even despite this, I guess, in a sense. So I think this was like his best year to win it just because the Warriors are out of the picture. Uh, Clippers are young, like you said. So I feel like, and they were like, they were hooping right before Corona. Like they were really playing well. Um, but I think he's still going to have a chance the next couple of years. But then you got to factor in the Warriors coming back with Steph and Clay, um, and the number one draft pick probably. And then the Clippers are going to be a matured team, so it'll be more competitive. But they're still going to be competing for a championship. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if LeBron does not beat the Clippers this year, he's not going to win ever again. Because, like we said, the Clippers are young but they have an extremely talented team, like with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Pat Bev, Montrose. That's just a team that's really <clears throat> advanced in every facet. Like, that's a defensive team, an offensive weapon. You have two players that are arguably the best defenders in the league. Um, one player – two players, obviously, are the arguably top five offensive threats in the NBA, and Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And then you have people like Pat Beverly, who just love defense. You have Lou Williams, who is a prolific scorer in the league. You have Montreal, then you just have a lot of good role players on that team. So this is really the last chance. I think that if LeBron does not beat the Clippers this year in a modified schedule, there's no way that he'll be able to beat them in the coming years because they're younger than him. You know, their team's going to be together for longer. And even if you look past just the Clippers, there's other teams like the Bucks that are just looking really promising, like the Sixers, seeing like teams like those where if you can't get past them this year, I don't think there's a chance you get past in the coming years and he's also getting older while they're still relatively young. like Giannis is still under 25 Kawhi and Paul George are still well under 30 so you know time flies and I think that if you can't get it done this year it won't happen again but I'm also not a super LeBron guy like some people are mm-hmm. yeah I, I think that this is definitely Le- I agree with you guys on that it is definitely LeBron's best year just because I think that the again the Clippers are a little bit less mature in terms of their chemistry you know, if the Clippers are able to click, which I think, you know, I don't know if this year is their year. Um, I could be wrong on that because, I mean, they're, they are just crazy talented compared to the Lakers. The Lakers really just have Anthony Davis, LeBron, and then a bunch of role players. 
if you really like look at them like closely, that's really what they are. Because Kuzma hasn't produced at all to the level that people thought he was going to produce this year. And I mean, it's, it's hard for Kuzma too, because Kuzma was was like a number two option for the Lakers for a long time, and now he's asked to come off the bench to be the number three option. That's well, that's very difficult to do. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know a team that I think you know. Like the Clippers are really going to be, I think, the team of the future. Them and the Bucks or the Celtics. I, for example, in the East, I just never could see the Sixers unless they somehow get a really tough notch coach. Because uh, I think Brett Brown's a good coach, but I just don't think he's the right coach for them. Because I think Joel Embiid okay. and Ben Simmons need a coach that's going to mature them because they're just not mature players right now. They're they're incredibly talented, and that team is the most talented team in the East. But they're just they're not quite. I don't know what it is about them, but they just never, you know scratch the surface of what they could be um mm-hmm. you know Joel Embiid might even average you know like a great have great stats but the problem is really what it comes down to is I'm not saying Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can't play together but I don't think they're their best when they play together um just because yeah, they don't complement each other well in my opinion they don't no, they don't each other well. it, like the Celtics for example have have really good complimentary pieces like I, again I'm yeah. a Knicks fan so I, I, I it's hard for me to see the Celtics have success sorry Bobby I know the, I know this, that's your team but uh you know the, the Celtics have you know a lot of really good pieces. And I think we even like, even though Kyrie's a great player, Kemba Walker has been a much better fit for that team because he's not as ball dominant. Right. And, he, and like he fits uh, Brad Stevens system better. The Celtics are actually my pick out of the East. And you know, like when I talked to Fru at Yaya and Grant on like the last episode, uh, you know, or a couple of episodes ago, Fru and Yaya were also Celtics uh, bandwagon. You know, Grant went the wizards. Cause he's a, you know, spies. Yeah. I, I heard which about is, that. Which is a hot take, but. Yeah, but I think it's you know with all this, I think you know LeBron has the best chance to win this year. I don't think he's necessarily done if he doesn't win this year. I think he can always have a chance even when he's thirty six. But it when it, again, it's just going to be hard because unless the Lakers get you know like another star in free agency somehow, you know the Clippers just have more talent on paper. And Doc Rivers, it's not like they have a bad coach; they have a really good coach in Doc Rivers. You know, it's not necessarily like day when David Blatt was the head coach of the of the Cavs, right? And LeBron yeah. was really coaching that team. Um, yeah. So, I think you know if you have good coaching and you have a good talent base, it's going to make you really hard. And the first year is always the tough year for every team like that. But um, I, yeah, I, 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 even though I don't think LeBron's necessarily done, I think that this is his best chance. Um, and I guess I segue to that in a kind of question, like you know. A lot of people talk about the Rockets being super competitive. What's your guys' take on the Rockets? You know, do you think that small ball is actually something that could work? Or do you think it's really just – do you think that, you know, Westbrook and Harden are just not guys who necessarily will win a championship together um, with D'Antoni as their coach too? So, obviously, that, that's the last thing I want to talk about. Like, what do you guys think of the Rockets? Because I think that's a underlining theme. Everyone's like, the Rockets have a real chance. I'm like, and I don't think they do, but you guys could think differently. I think it's just the same thing every year with them. Like they have highlights throughout the season, like individual players breaking records, all that stuff. And then every year, first, second round, they just break down. I think I really don't like the Russell Westbrook, James Harden combo. Um, Like you see so much, like when the other one's out, they always play better. Like it's like, they, like, I feel like they should pick one and then get like another complimentary piece and like trade them away. Um, that's just my opinion, though. <laughs> yeah, I think that – so the thing about the Rockets to me is that I think the small ball is, like, really innovative because it's, the NBA is advancing at a rapid pace. Like, everybody needs to shoot. Everybody needs to be able to do X, Y, Z. So the thing about the Rockets is the reason why they don't want the playoffs is because 
the playoff scouts are different than regular season scouts because you play you can play the same team seven times in a row, right? So in this during the season, like it's either like you can you can James Harden is unguardable, period. Like you can't guard him, whatever scouts you do, right? But the thing about Russell is Russell is easily guardable because if he's not making shots, he becomes a cancer to the team. If Russell, because when Russell, I'm a really big Paul George fan, so I watch Russell a lot. So when Russell was and Paul George in OKC, you have a clear superstar in Paul George, a clear superstar in Russell Westbrook. But as a point guard, you have to realize that most teams don't win if I'm the sole superstar. Like with Curry, he let KD take the reins because he wanted the rings. With um, even with the Heat, LeBron took the reins. So really, you should be a complementary piece to your other superstar. But Russell Westbrook doesn't get that. And James Harden and Russell Westbrook are both extremely ball dominant. So they can't win a, a, a championship just because when they run into teams like the Bucks that are super long, play defense, run a team like the Clippers, super long and play defense, even the Lakers, super long and the Celtics where they have – like the Celtics have the same type of offensive power that the Rockets do, but they also play defense. The Rockets don't play that well defense because they're too small. And they rely on James Harden to score 50 for them to win while he takes 37 shots, you know. So that's just not a feasible plan to win a championship it's good for like winning a couple of games but there's no way you can win a four game series against a formidable team using that type of recipe you know yeah i mean it, it, like i again i've I've, i'm one of the guys who's like a big uh i'm a big supporter of like guys who are able to play with complimentary superstars so i'm actually a, I'm, a, I'm not a steph curry fan but like i respect his game a lot because he's easy to play with I am not a James Harden fan, uh, even though I think he's a phenomenal offensive talent and will go down as one of the greater offensive talents. In the playoffs, he becomes easy to guard, to be some, not because he's necessarily – he is unguardable, but, like, he, he, he isn't an efficient scorer. And a lot of times in the playoffs, he gets exhausted because he has to usually just do his 30, 100 dribbles between his legs and then shoot a step back. And that's like, I mean, th- those shots go in the regular season, but a lot of times I notice in this playoffs, like, you know, his points dip down, his percentages dip down. Um, and look, he went against the Warriors, so you can make the argument like that. But, you know, Westbrook's kind of the same way. Westbrook's not a great, you know, he's performed well when he's a sole superstar on the team, like when he had a triple-double season uh, when he won the MVP. But when he plays another superstar, he's not usually good in the playoffs because he tries to do too much. And Westbrook also is not, is not a good three-point shooter. So a lot of times when teams go against the Rockets, because the Rockets want to spread you out, right? So if Westbrook's mm-hmm. if Westbrook makes threes, then that's a little bit of a different story because if James Harden's off and Westbrook's drilling threes, you know, the Rockets can be really dangerous. Yeah. But based on Westbrook's percentages, he's shooting 25% from three-point range entering the, you know, this bubble this year. And that's just not going to cut it because if you put – let's say you put a big on him, the big's just going to sag in the paints and dare mm-hmm. Westbrook to shoot. And if Westbrook's not hitting his shots – that's a disaster for their team. I think – I also think that, you know, people think they're going to go like, you know, they can challenge the Clippers or the Lakers in the second round. I don't even – I don't see them game by the Nuggets personally if they play the Nuggets. I think that I, – I, and that's, that, that, that's debatable, right? Because, you know, the – but, you know, Jokic is in the best shape of his life right now. I mean, he's coming – like, Jokic is skinny, which I think is going to help them so much more. Um, I understand they don't have the altitude, which is a big – a little bit of a disadvantage for the Nuggets. But the Nuggets play really well together and they play really good defense. And I think that – I think the Rockets would give them a seven-game series, but it just – it all really hinges down for me is will Ken Harden over, you know, take that next hump, you know, step in his development as a, you know, all-time great versus just like, you know, a really good player that just didn't win. Um, mm-hmm. so there are guys who, did, who have that kind of credentials uh, just or like the statistics, you know, that they are able to, you know, produce a lot in the regular season. They get to the playoffs and they just don't 
quite get over the hump. Um, and, you know, especially this year, that he doesn't have the Warriors in his way, right? So, obviously, yeah, he has LeBron and he has Kawhi in his way and other guys in the West. But, you know, he doesn't have the Warriors in his way. So, if he doesn't make it, you can't really make the excuse for him that, you know, the Warriors aren't there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of just like, I don't know. Because, I mean, I'm obviously excited for that. But, like, you know, I think the people are just so big. There's a lot of people in ESPN are so big on the Rockets, and I just don't really – see why because they're just small the tallest guy that plays is like pj tucker and he's like six 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 yeah yeah so like you know they bring robert covington off the bench with six seven but he's a guard so you know they play the lakers they're just gonna throw it into anthony davis lebron james in in the post and they're gonna win but they play against the clippers the clippers guards are all like besides pat bev are all six six or bigger so and they Mm -hmm. all can move and you know defend so that's not gonna work um but yeah Last, I think the last thing I want to talk about is like, what are you? This is like a, a different question going into Amherst basketball, but like, what are you guys most looking forward to for Amherst basketball next year? Obviously, whenever it starts, but you know, obviously, you guys are incoming freshmen, um, you know, and that's a really exciting time. So, what are you guys looking most forward to in terms of basketball uh, going into a you know program like Amherst and that kind of stuff? Um, you know, I think there's like a really strong history at Amherst, like a, a lot of a winning seasons, championships. So I guess I'm probably most excited about like the opportunity to win something, whether that's national championship or NESCAC championship um, or both. So I think just having like that goal all season and like knowing every day we're working towards that, that's going to be really fun. Cause like at my school, they were not a basketball school at all. Like you can't get kids in for sports. So we won like nine games last year and like two the the year before and there's just not really like a sports culture you know so I think that's going to be really fun next year yeah uh going off of Bobby said um I did a prep here at New Hampton and we actually won the NEPSAC AAA championship so I just think that carrying with that momentum over to Amherst and I like just looking at the roster top to bottom I feel like we have a lot of weapons a lot of tools and like obviously I'm biased but I think we're the Clearly, the best team in NESCAC and one like the best teams at the Division Three level. So, like, really, what's keep me fired up is I just had two goals for every year I'm there: NESCAC championship and a natty. So every year, I really think that with the group of guys we have, we're it's totally attainable. Like, we have scores, we have defenders, we have good guards, we have good bigs, we have everything we need. We have a great, we always have a great new coach coming with a lot of experience. So as long as we gel together, I think that. It'll be an amazing time. I'm just looking forward to have like more camaraderie with my teammates. Like in prep school, I just you know like just like a lot of rules, you can't do X, Y, Z. But in college, you're a little more free. So I'm really looking forward to that. And like Bobby said, I'm looking forward to winning because we have a winning culture. I just want to bring that back. You know. Yeah, I mean that that's one thing that at least like we I've gathered through at least my first two years at Amherst is the level of competitive nature of each player of the team. Uh, like I've just grown way more competitive just being around the guys, just because we're all constantly thinking about winning. Uh, every game and you know and, and we, we've had coaches even you know coach Sears coming in too that are all about winning and all about building a good culture so that's obviously you know when you come as a freshman like that's you know, you're going to be bought into a good culture which I think is always important in college basketball because you know in order to win you, it's not only about talent it's about the culture you're going into you know and that kind of stuff so um, but this is a good stuff to time to wrap it up um, guys you know thanks so much for being on and you know uh, I've Hope to see you guys soon in the gym and or at Amherst. Uh, you know, I'm excited excited for that. So thanks again. Thanks for having us, bro.